0: You know uh, Pastor Jordan is in Christchurch this morning, but but we were talking kind of just over the the past month, but specifically this week and and this changing forward uh, series that we 've been in and, and this fast that we 've been doing, the crux of the idea is how do we identify things that are separating us from God? How do we identify the things in our life that that we might not have meant to, but they got in the way of, of us and God. And we can't connect with God like we know we want to and we know we should because something's in the way. You know, and so we started the series with Pastor Jordan talking about, do we have the mentality? Do we have the approach to God of a slave or of a child? You know, how do we approach God? Then we had uh, Pastor Sam come and speak to us about the fact that that for us to grow spiritually, we need to be spiritually adults. That it's time for some of us to grow up in, in a loving way, but that we can't stay children forever. Then last week, uh, Dougal talked to us about the fact that, you know, some of our behaviors in life, we didn't mean to have them develop. We didn't mean to develop those habits. Some of them are, are passed down through families, but if they don't help us to connect with God, we need to get rid of them, right? And, and I'm super excited. This morning, we're going to round out our series with, with Mark Limmer. He's going to come and grab the stage in just a minute. And when he does, we want to, like, shake the structural bones of this room with some applause, yeah? But, but before we do, you need to understand that we didn't just choose Mark because he's really handsome and and, you know, we have a a rule of only handsome people on the stage evidently. But um, Mark was a, a drug announcer Drug and alcohol counselor for eight years, right? And, and the stories that he's got about the, the clients that he worked with are, are incredible. And so this, this last sermon in this series is about breaking addictions, right? And, and we wanted someone who has, has been at the coalface, who has confronted the hard problems with people and who can speak with a spiritual authority about what does it take to break addiction. So I wanna encourage you, you might be in this room and you're like, I'm not addicted to anything. That's fine, amen, hallelujah. But at some stage in your life, Every single one of us will know someone or will experience ourselves some sort of battle of addiction. So we need to know what Mark is going to teach us so that we can be there for our friends and family in that moment. Is that all right? Very cool. Hey, so why don't you stand to your feet if you're not already standing and put your hands together for Mark. Come
1: Please be seated, please be seated, and um, as you are seated, can you just give the music team a big clap? <laughs> hey, just, did you know that I work at MSD? You probably didn't, and um, this last week, we, the last three weeks we've been fasting, but this last week, Jono has been on our homepage, so when you, when you go in and you open up the computer, there's Jono's face. So, I've taken a lot of comfort out of that. Well, fasting. So, don't cheat my fast because Jono is watching. Hey, welcome! I know a lot of my friends have come, so thank you guys for coming. Um, I've got the jokes that I've used previously, so um, that's all right. And probably the same stories. So, so I, I need to, yeah, I need to start by giving you three minutes or four minutes about why am I preaching on addiction. So, I'm just gonna give you um, a run-through of my entire life, all right? So, so I grew up in Wellington, so that's home, and um, when I was 16, uh, my dad is an accountant. My dad was an accountant before he was 16, but when I was 16, he quit his job as an accountant. He, he worked for the ANZ Bank. He's a high flyer, I don't know, I think he was, and um, he quit to manage the Salvation Army Bridge Program. So, so Addictions is something that's been in and around our lives um since I was a teenager, yeah. And then uh when I was about eighteen, I-, I felt this call like from God, like go and work in the addictions field, like super like almost audible. And um because uh I'm not always the most um sort of obedient person, I, I had to um hear that call about three more times, yeah? Yeah? <laughs> So eventually, when I was about 20, oh, I can't actually remember, 22 or 23, um, I started my journey. I started studying to be an alcohol and drug counsellor. Yeah? And the thing about this is that God opened so many doors, right? It's like um, I signed up late, um, and this, the program had already started, and they said, We'll, we'll let you on. And um, then they didn't let, this was the first year that they let someone in their low 20s. Um, be a counsellor because traditionally it was always you have to be over 30 yeah so I was like the first person and um, yeah so God's on my side right and then and then what happened after about four months um, you, you need to do a placement as you're studying to be a um, counsellor you need a placement just to practice your skills right and I hadn't because I'm pretty laid back right I hadn't done any work around this and um, a counselling agency rang me up and they said hey Mark um, do you want to come and work for us and I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Um, and they said, come and see us on Thursday. So I was like, yeah, cool. And then uh, we got the dates wrong. And I didn't show up. And so these guys rang rung me out of the blue. I didn't show up. And, uh, and then i are like, what sort of mug is this guy that we are chasing, right? So I didn't turn up. <clears throat> and then I, I did obviously want to work there. So I rang them back, and we, we hooked up a time. And then they said, we love you. And, you know, that's how I heard it. <coughs> and um, uh, we're going to pay you way more. No, they didn't say it, but we're going to pay you this amount. And, and I think it was $20 an hour. And at that time, I was working in the Salvation Army family store, lifting furniture. And it was like, oh, wow, this is um, awesome. So God just opened up doors after doors after doors, yeah? So the counseling agency, actually, I worked a lot at Wellington High, so it's nice to be here. And um, we worked in the schools and with young people around Wellington. And um, uh, then I met my beautiful wife, Jenna. Yeah? Yeah? So we've been married 11 years. Yeah? Best 11 years of Jenna's life. (laughs) See, there you go. That's an old joke. That's an old joke. But you guys are new, haven't heard it before. But if you don't know Jenna, you're you're missing out. You truly are. She's an awesome person. She's got a massive heart for um, people. And, um, yeah, being married to her is awesome. Um, And me and her, uh, after we got married, we moved to Australia, to Melbourne. And I continued my work as a counsellor there. And we got involved with the homeless in Melbourne, which was really interesting. And then when we came back and we worked at the Salvation Army Boys and Girls Home, and... um, and right about that time, enter children into our lives. And what happens about then for us, or what happened for us, is that we sort of said, uh, maybe it's time for a bit of a move away from the coalface. Uh, we we want to be parents and you know, make that the priority and stuff. So our, our heart's still there, um, but um, it's a bit different. And then five years ago, got a job at MSD. And this has been awesome, and it's a popular place for Equippers people to work, yeah? It's a whole handful of us. And, and just, just before five years ago, Tom, our second child, entered our life, and that's when life got real interesting. Yeah. So that's everything you need to know about me, yeah? So that's why I'm talking about addictions, right? I feel like it's, I was called into it, and um, I, I feel like I'll go back there. You're not going to hear a lecture today, though, okay? You're going to hear a message from God, right? So I'm not here to um, school you on anything. I'm just here to share some insights and some wisdom. All right. What is addiction? It's a word that's thrown around real easily, right? Like, I'm addicted to watching Alaska State Troopers. Has anyone seen that TV show? Where's Nicole? There you are. Nicole loves it. Alaska State Troopers, I highly recommend it. You know, my wife, she's addicted to buying vacuum cleaners. Yeah. But actually, addiction is actually a serious thing, right? Um, it's, It's patterns of behavior or actions that grow in their intensity. Yeah? So the more you do them, the stronger they become, and then also the more problematic they become. They may be internal, right? They may just be thoughts or it may be behaviours. Likely, the stronger it gets, it will be a combination of both. You can't just keep it in here. And um, one of the criteria for meeting addiction is is that I've tried to stop it before, but I can't. Yeah, so by default, they're powerful. They hold some power, maybe over us, um, or over part of us. And um, another thing is, is we continue to do it despite the knowledge that it harms us. Yeah, so for some reason we do it even though it's dangerous or harmful to us or others. Um, Yeah, and one of the other criteria is that it doesn't just affect you. As I've already said, it affects others. So if you're in a relationship, guarantee it affects your spouse. If you're at work, it's potentially likely to affect your work. It's likely, or or the other um, criteria is that it may actually affect your health and well-being, you know, like drink driving. It affects your well-being, potentially, and others. But today, I don't want to talk specifically about substances. I want to be a bit broader, yeah? Yeah? So anything's up for grabs today, all right? Um, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to condemn or diagnose, all right? So I'm here to bring a message of freedom. But I'd love you guys to be brave about what God might be saying to you. Yeah? So some of the things um, on my hit list today. Pornography, ooh, that one just hit some people maybe here. (laughs) Fears, anxiety, yeah, just anything that that binds you or your thinking. Uh, As I've been praying specifically for today, I just feel like God, um, here's my uh, rationale. I didn't write this down, but I was thinking about it this morning. Is that where it says, two or more are gathered, God will be there, yeah? Yeah, and then when the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, right? So that means that today there's freedom here if you choose to take it, right? You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. All right, so there's truth for you, freedom for you today if you choose. All right, can we just jump to this Bible passage, and then we'll pray, and then we'll jump in, yeah? Luke 5, verse 17 through to 26. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Dear God, I thank you for these people. I thank you for your your promise of freedom, God. And I believe that freedom is here for us today, God. I pray for bravery of these people to think about their thinking, think about their situations, and bring it before you. Thank you, God, that there's no condemnation here today, God, but freedom. And, um, yeah, I declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Who's the most famous person you've met? Uh, I'm going to tell you my story, (coughs) and I, it was about the day that I kind of met Stephen Adams, kind of met Stephen Adams, who knows who Stephen Adams is, Uh, Stephen Adams, he's New Zealand, he plays basketball for the someone, Thunder, yeah, the Thunder, where is the Thunder from, Oklahoma, yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's a famous basketball player, he's probably like a millionaire, (coughs) Many times over. Thanks, Al. So I saw him at the airport. And what were we doing at the airport? Well, someone was catching a plane, I guess, or arriving on a plane. It's not really important to the story. But I saw him, like, over there, and he, he was walking towards us. And um, he had, like, I don't know if they're bodyguards or friends, but he was walking towards us, and I was like, oh, Stephen Adams. I need I needed to take this opportunity. And he, and he got closer, and I was like, um, uh, yeah. and then he, 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 walks, he walks past, and I'm like, oh no, and Tom was about two, and I said, Tom, shout out, hi, Stephen. So Tom goes, hi, Stephen, and then Stephen's here and he's like, hey, buddy, and then he walks away. And so every night, I cry myself to sleep, because <laughs> I miss my opportunity to say hi to Stephen Adams. But, I, but actually, I've been thinking about that. Well, why wouldn't I go out of my way to say hi to Stephen Adams? Like, he's famous, right? And, you know, I could have taken a selfie or whatever. It would have been exciting to meet him, right? And then I just think I just didn't want to bother him. It's weird. It's a New Zealand thing, isn't it? Like, we just, like, we'll just let him do his thing. I sat on a plane next to Shane Cameron, and the whole time I was sitting there, he's, like, taking up two seats. But I was like, I want to say something, but I don't want to bother him. Um, but I just want to compare the F, my efforts with these two famous people to these guys' efforts to get this paralyzed guy in front of Jesus. Look at the effort that they go. And it, it raises questions for me. So this is in verse 19. So they, they couldn't get to him, right, because there's a crowd. They go to a house. There's a crowd there. They can't get the paralyzed guy to Jesus because there's a crowd there. It's too full. So what do they do is they go up and over through the roof so why did they do that what what was this paralyzed guy to them that sort of these are the questions that I start to ponder and and what did those guys know about Jesus what number on your list is bringing someone through the roof to get them to Jesus i'll tell you where it is on my list it's below giving up yeah It would be, and I've been thinking about that, like, yeah, this is too hard, I'm going to walk away. But what I draw from this is that they knew how important Jesus was into this situation. They knew who he was, and they knew that the only way this paralyzed man is going to get freedom is by bringing this situation to Jesus. Yeah? A few years ago, um, we sold our old house, and we bought a new house. And this is when we had one child. And we'd been trying for about maybe a year to have a second child, and it, and it wasn't happening. And so we said, let's um, um, buy a new house. Just because, you know, <laughs> we can't get children, let's buy a new house. I don't know. I don't know the rationale. Talk to my wife. And um, what that meant, though, is we got a bigger mortgage, yeah? And it was sort of like the week that we got the new mortgage, we got pregnant, yeah? <laughs> But what happened for that over the next couple of years is, is we battled a little bit financially, yeah? It, it wasn't like, we never went without, but um, there it was we were on the line most of the time. And it, um, Jenna is a woman of great faith around finances, and I'm not, yeah? I'm a worry, I worry, yeah? And um, I w- lost a lot of sleep. Yeah, and so I and I've just as I reflect back, I'm like, why do you worry? Because Jesus is the great provider, which I'm going to get to in a minute. But actually, what does worrying add to a situation? Like, I'm lying in the middle of the night. Like, maybe if I lie here more, I'll get a pay rise. Or I mean, I I don't know the. It doesn't make sense, right? This is exactly what we talk about. It doesn't make sense. It's harmful to me, but I continue to do it. And it was in there. God, God, he sort of intervened. And he said, I am the provider of all things. Yeah? So with addictions and destructive things, it's easy to focus on the power. And they limit what we think. What we need to remember to do is remember who we are dealing with. Yeah? By him, all things were created. This is the guy who, we, who we're bringing addictions to. The guy who created the heavens and the earth. You know, uh, all-powerful, the God of the universe. Nothing in all creation is hidden from him. So compared to our addictions, God is massive. Yeah, Everything in heaven and earth is his. He forms the light and creates darkness. Yeah, Angels worship him and demons shudder. And this guy, this powerful, gigantic God, loves us intimately. He wants us to succeed, how much more will God our Father give us good gifts, God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory, when facing addictions we have to remember who we are dealing with, I've gone for paper because my iPad didn't work, so I'm going old school, Let's just take an opportunity to be a bit specific about different situations that you may be facing, right? Let's say that you've got anxiety and fears. You need to remember, I encourage you to remember, that you're working with the Prince of Peace. If 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 you're battling depression, remember that you're working with the God of hope. If you're concerned about your future, remember you're called according to his purpose. If you're fearful, God holds you in your hand. If you're struggling with pornography, God is the cleanser. If you're lonely, you've got an everlasting father with you. I'm going to keep going, right? I'm going to increase it. If you've got a diagnosis, remember that you're working with the great healer. If you've got unforgiveness, you've got the God who heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. If you've got work scenarios frustrating, the God who works all things together for good. No matter what situation you're in, God's on it, and he's over it, and he's bigger in it, and he can bring freedom into it, yeah? I'm going to tell you a story about my most, one of my most memorable clients in my eight years of counseling, and um, his name was Daniel, and I'll tell you his name because he lives in Melbourne, and you're not going to go and find him, I'm sure. Um, and so Daniel was, um, the first time I met Daniel was in the police cells, which is always strange as a counsellor, because the policewoman, the local cop, rang me up and she said, Mark, I need you to come and see someone. And when the police person rings you straight away, you, you know that there's something going on, right? And you tr- as a counsellor, you try and keep the police happy, because they had lots of money and stuff. So, <coughs> so the first time I went, is we went in there, and, and Daniel was, um, he had been running away from home, and he'd been committing burglary and he had been self-harming in a way that I'd never seen dealt with before, right? So he'd been carving his chest. So it w- it, so um, the police person didn't tell me this before I turned up. It's like, just as I'm there at the cell, she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, he self-harms by carving names in his chest. And it's like, oh, man, dear God, <laughs> you, uh, you know, jump into these things. God, you, you're with me on this. You got this in your hands, right? So I go in to meet Daniel in the um, cells, and he's actually on the edge of like a, um, some sort of psychotic episode, right? And so I just sit with him for about 10 minutes. He doesn't really engage with me. He's worried. It's something going on way beyond my training, way beyond my skills. And um, I left, and then I get a call from the police, and he got some help through the mental health services, yeah, which is awesome. But the policewoman, she rang and said, actually, Daniel really wants to keep seeing you. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> on one hand, yeah, I know, confess to you like, oh, man, what can I bring to this situation, right? And so, so what I did for about eight months, until we moved back to New Zealand, every week I'd go and see Daniel. And he lived in the outskirts of Melbourne in this massive house, um, it was a beautiful house and it was surrounded by trees, like it was way out in the, in the ranges, And all we would do is we would walk around his house. We'd go sit in his treehouse. We'd go play basketball. I hate basketball. (laughs) Although Stephen Adams. Uh, And we'd go sit in his treehouse, and I'd be like, I know there's spiders in here, and I don't like spiders. And, you know, there's probably snakes because it's Australia. And anyway, so I'm sitting there, like, just hanging out with Daniel, right? He never really talked to me in eight months. He, he never really shared what was going on. We just hung out. But over time, something started to change. Yeah? He went back to alternative education. He stopped self-harming. He stopped sniffing petrol. I didn't say that, did I? Did I say he was sniffing petrol? That's why he came in to be in an and drug service, right? He was sniffing petrol. Um, he stopped it. Why do I say this? Why do I tell this story about my life into Daniel? Because if you look at verse 20, just those first five words, it says, Jesus saw their faith. Jesus saw their faith. So my faith impacts someone else's journey. How good is this? This has been amazing inspiration that I've been fasting, right? Because it's saying, you, you just pray for someone else. Jesus is saying, My faith has a breakthrough for someone else. Where well, I've lost my paper. Do you know what, though? If I know this, if I know that my faith affects someone else. So in this story, it says um, he was impressed with their faith. So it's either only them or them plus the paralyzed man. We don't know. But the point is, is that my faith affects someone else's scenario. So Jono said, if you don't have an addiction, awesome. Guarantee someone around you does. Your faith can have a breakthrough for them. So if I know this, it absolutely changes the way that I enter into situations, right? So at, at MSD, I manage a team of seven, and I carry this into there. I'm their boss, but I know... That God's called me to bring freedom into this, into their lives. I know there's professional boundaries, but that's not the ultimate calling. The ultimate calling is to bring freedom in. It changes the way I parent. Yeah? It changes the way I work with my children. Not work with my children. It changes the way I, I'm a dad. Like, man, I, I, my faith can bring something into your life. So who in your world needs something from you? You know, yeah. I, I bet that there's someone that you would know you either know or don't know that needs a breakthrough in a situation. Your faith breaks through for someone else. It's awesome. I'm rushing through. That's alright. Just gonna finish on verse twenty four. I'm not, I'm not ready to finish, so I mean, but because I've got three points <laughs> that I want to go, yeah? So I kind of finish. What a tricker. You guys like, do you want me to finish? Do you want me to go for longer? I can. All right. I'll tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Small sentence, yeah? Completely changes this man's world. Here we are, what, 2017 plus something? Still talking about this little sentence, yeah? Completely changed the situation. Completely changed this guy's life. And, and then it says, at the end, on verse 27, it says they all were, were um, I'm summarizing now. They were all amazed. We've seen remarkable things today, right? I just want to unpack these three things. Three points. First point. This statement, these 11 words, completely wipes out any power that addictions hold in your life. So we've talked about um, how our vision gets lost and how we give the addiction power because we've tried and we've tried again and got nowhere. Look at what Jesus speaks to about that. So the paralyzed man is paralyzed for all his life, right? so what what how much uh, chains, how many chains, what limitations do you think that he had on his life a lot right like what hope did he have? you know paralyzed um, man in these times, it was tough yeah if you made it through if you got through on someone else 's generosity, you were lucky. chances are you 'd just be left to die, yeah, but Jesus completely wipes out all chains and every sort of limitation with his, with this diagnosis. We, this week has been a bit weird, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to confess to you, but we've been talking with our oldest son, Zach, about the devil, and, and it's weird because, you know, it's not something like we really want to highlight, but uh, I don't know, maybe you heard it on TV or something, and he says, Dad, Dad, the devil does weights, it's got big muscles. <coughs> Uh, and like, may, maybe me, I, I don't actually know what he looks like, but as a, as we've been talking to Zach, it's been awesome, because it's just reminded me, is, this is not a wrestle. This is not a 50-50 battle between good and evil. So when you look at your addiction, when you look at your destructive thinking, when you look at your diagnosis, it is not a wrestle with the Almighty God. Yeah? Almighty God can wipe this out with two, 11 words. Yeah, or he's actually wiping them out with two words, get up. Get up, This, this um, this is not you. I've got something more, and I'm more powerful than whatever is currently facing you. I don't know what you think about what you're currently facing, but I pray that you would know that God is bigger than it. So yeah, we've been saying that to Zach. Zach, you don't worry about the fight between the devil and God. It is not a fight. God will wipe him out. I'm going to tell you a story about um, another guy who we spent a lot of time with, and I won't use his name, because quite a few of you might know him. But um, we met him when he was about 16. And he was young, and he's, his life had already started to go astray, right? And... um. We heard the story about when he was about five. I'll tell you his name. It doesn't matter because you're going to know from the story anyway. So his name is Junior. Yeah, and, and he told us a story about uh, when he was five years old or six years old, he turned up at a foster care's family with one plastic bag full of clothes. And that was his entire life in this one plastic bag. And And I remember comparing that to you know, the room full of toys that my children have and the photos and the memories. So he didn't know his family. So Jenna and I, some of the others here, we took him under our wing. We cared for him like he would turn up at our house and we'd stay the night and, um, you know, drink our Coke. And, um, you know, that was cool because we wanted to give him a family, yeah? And um, he struggled with drinking. Like, lots of young people struggled with drinking. And when he'd drink, he'd get violent. And um, so Junior was 16. He sort of, sort of, kind of got his life on the way. And then he started drinking again. And then he went to jail. Yeah? And then he's in jail. And then we go visit him in jail. And he's like, Mark, you know, I'm just going to sort my life out.
0: Just sort it out, you know.
1: We're like, yeah, awesome, man. And then he gets out, and he goes all right for a while. Starts drinking, yeah? Where does he go? Back to jail. We go visit him. So we go through this cycle, yeah? Visiting him in jail. I want to sort my life out, too. Um, I'm doing all right. The last time we saw Junior, he had just been um, charged with, I can't remember the name of the crime, but it was something like a aggravated robbery. And he was looking at about seven years in jail. You know, he's probably 22 at the time or something like that. And I was like, man, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Because people just used to follow him. He was a leader. And I'd speak it into his life. You're a leader. You're a leader of men. People follow you. You gather. God's got a calling on your life. And you, I don't want to say you're ruining it, but you're ruining it. <laughs> you're walking away from it. People still followed him. The gift's still there on him. He's just using it for the wrong purpose, right? Like People followed him, and he organized this big, supposedly. And um, it, it sort of, it's sort of, this is just what I do, Mark. This is just what I do. This is who I am. And so my second point about get up take him at home and go, is to say, this is not your identity. Yeah? Addictions, destructive thinking, um, anxieties, fear, whatever it is, chains, is not your identity. Your identity is to be called to who God wants you to be. You are not created for this get up, I've called you out of this. Get up out of there. This is not who you are. God's got a plan for prosperity and no harm for future. Addictions, destructive thinking is not part of that plan. If it has been part of your plan up until this point, I also want to point out the fact is that he took his mat home which is curious to me. Why wouldn't he just leave it there? Hey, because there's, there's two reasons, I think. And I'm going off my notes now because this has just come to mind. But there's two reasons that he, um, he says pick up the mat. The first is because don't go back there. Hey, it's easy. And this is one of the things about Junior, uh, in my opinion, is that the more he stepped out of it, th- initially it's very uncomfortable. Because if you like, like, let's take example of an abusive relationship. You, you're there, you're in chains, destructive things are happening. You, st- you break free of it. For some reason, we actually miss that place, right? Which is weird to us. It's one, As we said, one of the criteria of addictions is we know it harms us, but we keep going back to it. Pick up your mat so you don't go back there. Yeah? The second thing is... Uh, and this is, I haven't thought this through, so we're just going to see what comes out, but <coughs> pick up your mat, take it home, because there is some wisdom and some experience that you can bring into your future world, right? So one of the, peop- one of the key things about um, many alcohol and drug counsellors are people in recovery. And what they bring is something that I don't have is an experience of beating addiction themselves, yeah? So if you've got things in your past that you feel are weighing you down, they may make you more effective in your future. You may carry extra wisdom, extra freedom because of that. So so I I wonder sometimes um, if we feel ashamed about things in our past when actually we've been set free of them, yeah? I I think about the things that I've done in the past and actually some of them – you know, w- Willie Gunn and I, when we were twelve years old, we, we got pulled over by the police two times. Nah, that's my that's the extent of my police experience. Just one cop pulled us over in island bay in Karori. You guys are thieves, aren't you? Well no we're not, we're not we're just driving home. Um, but my experience in the past will make my future make me wiser. So are there things in your past that you maybe are worthwhile carrying into your future? Not shame, not condemnation, because there's none of that, but wisdom. Uh, And then we've, we've also talked about how our faith might affect others. Your wisdom, your increased wisdom might go into this. Last point. Last point. Good timing, man. Get up from where you are because there is a better way. There's a better way for you. When the limbers arrived at a we were feeling disillusioned. We were feeling a bit lost. One of the first Sundays we sat here, um, we sang the song, There's More to Come. And it was just like, God spoke right into my heart Mark there's a better way for you there's more to come for you and I, and I played that song hundreds of times and Nicole and Jenna hated it after a little while so I go into the bedroom put my headphones on and declare it for myself Right? there's more to come there's a better way there's a better way if you're stuck or trapped, you've got to know that there's a better way for you. It's not your identity and there's more for you. All things work together for good for those that love the Lord. If it's not good, it's not finished. There's more for you. There's something else for you. If you're feeling stuck, know this. There's something else for you. And he went, the guy went home praising God he experienced the freedom right? He knew what it was like to be set free and this is what is on offer for us today yeah? Freedom is on offer for us today he went home praising God because he was set free it's just something I've been thinking about a little bit why don't you stand actually just as we finish what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up. And um, I'm going to see that hand. And then that's it. And then I'll pray for everyone. Because one of the things in the, about this Bible verse is that God creates the atmosphere to break the chains. But we respond. Yeah? If God gives us free will, Yeah? Um, if he didn't give us free will, this is how this this, uh, situation would roll out, is God would go and he'd pick the guy up by himself and carry him back home. But he's given us free will. So we have to respond to the atmosphere that God's created. So what do you need? What do you need to respond to? What's God saying to you? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up if you need or want some freedom in a situation. Remember, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you want that freedom, put your hand up. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to to see it. I'm going to acknowledge it. And then I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to hand back to Jono if he wants to push it further. And then if you want to come and speak to me, you can. But also, if you don't want to speak to me because I'm strange, that's fine. Speak to someone that you trust, yeah? Respond. And take the opportunity. So, just for the next five seconds, if there's anyone here who wants to respond, wants freedom, can I just ask you to put your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. See those hands. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Dear Jesus, powerful name you are, God. More powerful than anything that we're currently facing, God, whether we see it or not. God, you want to bring us freedom today, God. I thank you, God, that people are responding to the atmosphere that you created, God. God, I pray that chains would be broken, God. I pray that diagnosis would be thrown away, God. pray that addictions would be dropped, God pray for for release, God, for release from things of the past, God, from chains that bind us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation for things of the past, God, but you've got a future for all of these people, God. Thank you, Lord. Amen.